Today we're continuing our series for the season of Epiphany uh, entitled Jesus, the Messianic Man of Mystery. Epiphany is a season all about um, manifestation or of, of God being revealed to us in Christ. So each week during this series, we're going to talk about how God in Christ is revealed to us. Uh, and today, we're doing that through the calling of the disciples. Really today, as well as next Sunday, we'll look at two passages of Jesus calling the disciples. Um, next week, we'll look at Mark calling the fishermen in the boat. But today, we'll look at the Gospel of John uh, and, and John calling some of the first uh, disciples. Friends, I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the first chapter of John's gospel, beginning with the 43rd verse. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you come to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. As many of you know, my last church was in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I uh, would love that, that city very much. It's something I really came to love and I would say uh, became quite a connoisseur of is good old-fashioned pork barbecue. There are a number of good restaurants there and, and uh, we, we enjoyed that very, very much. I want to tell you about one of my favorite uh, barbecue restaurants in Knoxville, Tennessee. Now, it wasn't my favorite at first. In fact, I drove by this restaurant time and time again for a couple of years. It was a very, uh, let's, let's call it a scruffy looking building. On the outskirts of town, kind of in an odd place. It didn't have a fancy sign, no nice looking logo or anything. Just a very simple, humble billboard that just simply said barbecue. Drove by this for a couple of years and then it wasn't until I heard a couple of folks in the church say, hey, you know, that place in the scruffy part of town isn't so bad. So one day I decided to, to go in. I went in and the owner and pitmaster gave me his signature greeting. Glad you're here. Hope you're hungry. Though it wasn't love at first sight. You could call it love at first bite. 
and I enjoyed that, that place very, very much. Wonderful food, wonderful folks who, who ran it, but it was my preconception of the place that kept me from that transformational experience for a couple of years. My own preconceptions of, of quite literally reading a book by its cover kept me from uh, that wonderful experience and, and great restaurant and uh, part of, of the community. Our Bible story today is all about preconceptions and how they can be limiting to us in our experience of God and one another. In our story today, Jesus calls some of the first disciples in John's gospel. Just before we pick up our text, Jesus calls Andrew and Simon Peter. And we pick up today as he calls Philip. He simply says, follow me. Now, John, the gospel writer, doesn't even bother giving us Philip's response. Instead, he tells us what Philip does. He goes to his buddy, Nathaniel, and tries to tell him all about it and recruit him as well. He says, hey, Nathaniel, we found him. We found the one about whom Moses and the law and the prophets told us about. We found him. He is Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. You can hear the building band the music uh, uh, lifting up behind Philip as he says this, all the momentum, all the excitement, all the hope. Then how does Nathaniel respond? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You just feel the wind going out of Philip's sails. All of the, the, um, the joy and excitement just goes away instantly. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, it's a fair question. Let's give Nathaniel a break. After all, we, we have kind of a glorified understanding of Nazareth because it's where Jesus comes from as the church today. But Nazareth was this small backwoods town of maybe a couple hundred people. It was known for absolutely nothing. It's completely reliant on uh, the, the nearby uh, city of Sephora's for, for all of its stuff. It's not even mentioned in the, the entire Old Testament. So it, it certainly wasn't where people were expecting the Messiah to come from. So Nathaniel asks a fair question. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? But it's still this question that shows us the preconception Nathaniel and likely others had about who this person, who Jesus was because of where he comes from. And this preconception limits Nathaniel from a life-changing experience of Jesus. Uh, we in the church have given Nathaniel a, a hard time for a, many, many years, right? But if we're honest with ourselves, we are all Nathaniel from time to time, aren't we? We all have our own preconceptions, and, and these preconceptions limit us. It limits our understanding and our experience of the world. It limits our relationship with God and with one another. We all have our own can-anything-good-come-out-of-Nazareth moments, don't we? We might say it about the next town. I'm sure a number of you have said it. Can anything good come out of Gainesville or Haymarket? I'm sure you might say that about your rival sports team. Can anything good come out of there? We probably also say it about other things, don't we? Can anything good come out of the other political party? Can anything good come out of Washington? Can anything good come out of this or that? We all have our own preconceptions and they limit us. 
They limit who we are as children of God. It limits our relationship with God and with one another. But if we think about it a little deeper, I think it behooves us to also remember that people have this preconception about the church as well. There are many out there in the world today that say, can anything good come out of the church? I think we have our work cut out for us, friends. But our text gives us a good glimpse of what, how we can handle this preconception and what we can do about it for, for within ourselves as well as for the church. So how does Philip respond to Nathaniel's uh, question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That question that just takes all the wind out of Philip's sails. Does he argue with them? Does he try to convince them that he's right and Nathaniel's wrong? No. He simply says, come and see. Come and see. These are the very words Jesus uh, uh, the, the very words Jesus says to Andrew and Peter just before our reading as he calls them as disciples. Come and see. If you think about it, it's an invitation. It's not an obligation. Philip simply invites Nathaniel to come and see for himself. If he tried to argue with Nathaniel or uh, doing what we today do so often of really digging your trench and saying why I'm right and you're wrong, I don't think Nathaniel would have done what he, what he does by the end of our text. I think he would have put his walls up and backed away and saying, no thanks, Philip, I'll see you next week. But instead, Philip says, come and see. This allows Nathaniel to kind of wade in at his own comfort level. And this is what allows him to have this transformational experience as he encounters Jesus. Because as he comes up to Jesus, he has this, this very quick turnabout of phrase. He goes from saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth to his encounter with Jesus? And then what does he do? He says, "You, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. In just a few verses, he goes from, can anything good come out of Nazareth, to saying this guy is the king of Israel, the very son of God. Imagine with me for just a moment what it would look like if the church adopted a come and see mindset. In the face of all the can anything good come out of the church moments that we experience. Oh, the church is too judgmental and it doesn't include everyone come and see the church is only going to ask for my money come and see there's no way the church could ever want someone as broken or as imperfect as me come and see I love what Jesus does after Nathaniel's initial confession. Nathaniel says, you are, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And how does Jesus respond? He says, you'll see greater things than these. Or, my particular preferred translation of that Greek text is, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Jesus then talks about the heavens being open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. 
Jesus gives Nathanael just a glimpse of all that is to come. But really, what I think Jesus tells Nathanael is his understanding of who Jesus is will continue to grow and develop and evolve as a disciple. As he remains in relationship with Jesus and with the other disciples, his understanding of who God and Christ is for him will continue to grow and develop. God and Christ will continue to be revealed to him throughout his discipleship journey. So Philip invites Nathaniel to come and see, but Jesus tells him to stay and grow. Come and see, stay and grow. Continue to stay in relationship with God and with one another. And our understanding of who God in Christ is for us will continue to grow and develop and evolve. That's the way it is for us today too, friends. We come and see and we stay and grow. We will continue to grow in our knowledge of the love and grace of God in Christ for us. We'll continue to grow as disciples, as those inviting others to come and see, to stay and grow, that we might grow more and more individually and as a community in our practice of, of God's love and grace in Christ. Tomorrow our nation will pause to celebrate the life and legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., um, I do want to make a quick uh, announcement invitation. At 1 p.m. tomorrow at the Highland School, I invite you to join me um, for the community Martin Luther King Jr. celebration that is led by our friends at Mount Zion uh, Baptist Church. It's a wonderful uh, uh, time of fellowship and worship and community every year. Um, and wonderful music, wonderful fellowship. Uh, so I do hope you join me there. Dr. King's witness to the justice, peace, and love of God, I think, feels particularly relevant to our theme today of challenging preconceptions uh, in, in Dr. King's work uh, towards racial equity in our nation and world. I'd like to close today with just a short excerpt of one of my favorite sermons from Dr. King. The sermon's entitled, Our God is Able." And it reminds me of this kind of ongoing transformation and evolution that God and Christ will reveal to us day after day along our journey of faith. Hear these words, friends. Only God is able. It is faith in him that we must rediscover. With this faith, we can transform bleak and desolate valleys into sunlit paths of joy and bring new light into the dark caverns of pessimism. Come what may, God is able. Friends, as we go forth from this place, may we, like Philip, find ways to adopt and practice this come and see mindset for the church and for the world, inviting others to come and see, to, to, to be in relationship with us and with our Lord. And like Nathaniel, may we also continue to ask good questions, but follow our call to stay and to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Friends, may we come and see, may we stay and grow, that our understanding of who God is in Christ will continue to be revealed, and we may grow more and more into Christ's image and love. Amen.